Welcome to Remodel Your Life. We are shining the light on women thriving in the trades and remodeling their life into something better. Join a female carpenter as she interviews women around the country about the incredible variety of careers and financial opportunities for women in construction and the skilled trades. And now, your host, Camille Finan. Hey everybody! Um, thank you so much for joining me. This is a um, been a really really tough week for a lot of people. A, lot, a week and a half, and as many of us are learning, it's been a really hard thing for a really hard long time for a lot of people. And um, so this is going to be kind of a tough conversation and and uncomfortable maybe for all of us to hear and and participate in. But it's super super important to me and and to our country and to our friends. And um, so I've reinvited Kay Whitaker back on the show. She was in episode 24, and she's going to kind of just share her story, share what's going on with her personally and how this last week and a half has really affected her since the death of George Floyd and just, you know, her own personal story. So, Kay, thank you so much for being brave and coming on and sharing such a, you know, such a tough thing to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah. So why don't you kind of just... Start at the beginning, I guess, and sort of just share with, you know, you're a professional, you're very, very successful, you know, business strategist. And what has all of this stuff around race, how has it affected you and your family and some of the things that you shared in your very, very hard to read post, um, <laughs> you know, a couple days ago? So as a mom, and, and first, before we even get into that conversation, I know that your listeners are listening and probably like sitting on pins and needles. Mm-hmm. Um, my goal today is to inform um, and just to share story. And I believe wholeheartedly that it's through the understanding of someone else's perspective that your heart is touched. And when your heart is touched, your behavior can change. Um, So today I'm speaking as a black mom, a black businesswoman, a black woman, period, that, you know, there's trauma. There is, you know, we're still processing feelings. So if I can be completely honest, you know, I was like, man, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have this conversation because they're important. Like these types of conversations are important, uh, but they're tough. Mm -hmm. Right. So as I'm talking, if you hear emotion, if you hear what sounds like frustration, it is. Mm -hmm. But it's not to it's not to degrade anyone that's listening. I'm just speaking from my perspective. And when I speak, I speak on behalf of other moms, but not from a cultural standpoint, it's as a whole. So I never want to be the black spokesperson for all black people. My goal is to simply share my story and allow my story to touch your heart, if that means anything. It does. (laughs) Okay. So I just wanted to get that out Mm -hmm. of the way. So this week has been incredibly tough, not because, you know, it's racism. Racism has always been something that we've dealt with, but because the blatant racism that was displayed. You know, we watched a man die Mm -hmm. 
on social media. And while we have been struggling with having our our sons, our daughters, our husbands treated differently, you know, it's been a really long time since we've we've seen someone lose their life in front of our eyes. You know, we know that it happens. We see clips, we see pieces of it, but to watch breath leave the body of a human being, a black human being, it sent us into a whirlwind. And I, when I say us, I'm talking about my house mm-hmm. um, because I normally don't watch if I could be completely honest. And I don't watch because Watching provokes a feeling that is very hard to compress. So generally when stuff like this happens, I listen to the story. I follow to ensure that justice is being served, you know, just to keep up with going with what's going on, see how I can help. But I never really watch. And this time I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched because I have a 16 year old and a 13 year old that have access to the internet. And when it all was going down, I saw, you know, black man dies <laughs> on mm-hmm. Facebook. And I was like, Whoa, what's happening. I need to see this because I need to get in front of this because my kids are upstairs on their devices. And I, you know, with as crazy as this is, I'm sure they've seen it and I need to know how to address it with them. Hmm. So watching it, you know, as a as a woman, as a black woman, um, the emotions that come to you, you can't put into words. It yeah. takes the breath out of your body because when I look at George Floyd, I look at my husband I think about my brother. I think about my father to see a man um, and know that men are designed to protect us, plead for his mother was difficult to watch. And I can't describe the feelings that I had in that moment outside of terror. You know, your heart starts to race. You start to shake. You cry uncontrollably because you see so many of the people that are close to you. You instantly see them in that moment. And to think about my husband at a moment of weakness where he is out of control and losing his life shatters me. To think about my son possibly being in a position like that, it it makes my I can't breathe. I feel like I'm suffocating. And to know that there's a wife, a mother, a daughter that will have to live with those feelings forever is indescribable. And to know that it's being done, to look at the, the face of the officer that's doing it. And there's, there's almost, there's no, mm-hmm. like you don't see life in his yep. face. No remorse. There's no remorse. There's no feeling. Mm-hmm. No connection. It's nothing. It's, it's gone. It's blank. And you know that he's doing it because he feels like he can get away with it. It makes you angry. And you go to a very dark place. Mm. You go to a very dark place. And I'm not a dark person. No, <laughs> you're very, very <laughs> cheerful and joyful. But that, that 
you can't describe it. You can't put it into words. And I watched it with my husband. Mm. Um, and we were speechless for hours. Didn't know what this, it took us days to find words to sit the kids down to have a conversation with them. Now, granted, we've had conversations about race. We teach them about their culture, about their black skin, but this was different. You know, we've seen it, we've heard about it through past things, but we're living it now. And now people are on the streets. They are expressing their feelings in ways that, you know, we can't condemn, we may not support, but one part of us is like, you know, don't burn the building down. But the other part is like, you know what? We said it quietly. Nobody listened. Burn that shit down. Excuse mm-hmm. my language. No. Because mm-hmm. if that's what it takes to get the attention of the people that are in power that continue to allow this to happen to us, if that's what it takes, then by any means necessary at this point, because we can't allow another person, another black man, black woman to be in this position again. We cannot stand for that. So at this point, what do we need to do in order for you to listen? Mm. Wow. How, how did you eventually find a way to talk to your sons about this and just the actual real danger to them? We um we have always had conversations. So I'll give you a little bit of background to help you understand just like what our life looks like. We've always had conversations. My husband and I, we grew up in black communities. We didn't come from a whole lot. And, you know, racism is a learned behavior. So one of the things that we tell our children is that, you know, we teach you We teach you about God. We teach you about having a moral compass. We teach you about values. We teach you about loving everyone. But the same way we're teaching a message of love and hope is the same way that the people that don't love are teaching their kids as well. So this thing, will, you know, it's very likely that it will always be around because there's always someone that has that viewpoint and they have children. So they will teach their kids those things. So for us, we've always had conversations about race because we've seen it. My first experience with racism, I was in the fifth grade. Um, And I remember I went. So just backstory, I I grew up in a predominantly black or all black neighborhood. But my mother was a single mom and she did a really amazing job of making sure that I was cultural. So I was diverse. I went to Jewish elementary schools. I always was in a place where I was around a lot of people that didn't look like me from an educational standpoint. So I knew Mm. that there were people in the world that didn't have black skin and kinky hair and that their lives were different. But She always taught me to love and taught me to be in those environments to learn from other people. And when I grew up 30 something years ago, you know, we were still having black history programs. Right. So they were still Mm -hmm. teaching black kids in school about their black culture, you know, at least one month out of the year. Um, But my first encounter that I can remember with racism was in the fifth grade. Uh, I went to a school where I was one of very few black kids And there was a little white girl. We were it was breakfast time and we were going through the breakfast line. I was on free lunch because my mom didn't have any money. 
And I was one of the few kids that were on free lunch. And I got, she was behind me. I paid for my lunch. She saw that I had free lunch and she started to tease me because I had free lunch. And we got to the table and sat down. I'm talking to my friend. She's still talking now. Mind you, I'm a straight A kid, sweet kid. I'm a really good kid. Mm -hmm. I've never done anything to be in any type of trouble. I follow the rules. I'm a great kid. But we sit down and she continues to taunt. And there's a lot of things that I'll take. You, You know, you can say whatever, but she taunted and she got to a place where she called me an N-word, and a monkey. And Mm. I lost it. Yeah. Fifth grade. Mm. Yeah. So so when you live... No one should have to go through that. No one. Like, as early as fifth grade, I was, what, 10 years old? And I, I grab her, I, we fight, you know, or I fight. <laughs> She's not doing much. But again, I'm in a school where there's not many of us that look like me. So the teachers come and grab and no one asks. Again, I'm a great kid. Everyone mm-hmm. knows me. No one asks why this fight happens. Instead, I'm snatched by a white male principal taken to the principal's office and I am reprimanded and getting ready to be put out of school. But they grab me and everyone goes to her to see if she's okay. While Mm. I'm yelling, she called me an N-word. She called me an N-word. Yeah. But no one's listening. And it's just trivialized as just a word. Like it's, it's not, that's not word. just a word. That's not saying you're stupid, which is bad enough, but it's, 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 yeah, it's visceral. Right. And it's, it's it, you're right. It's that's bad. what has to change. Well, there's a lot of things that have to change, but yeah, you, you have children growing up in that environment and then they run companies they, 20 they years later. Companies. And someone taught her that someone taught her that. And when she said it, the look in her eye, mm. you, I can remember fifth grade to see the look in her eye. She meant it, but she didn't realize what it would do to me. So, you know, long story short, they get me to the principal's office. I'm guilty point blank period. Well, my mom is across the street at court reporting school and they call her and she's like, what? So she literally leaves the building. I can see the building from the principal's office. She rushes over to the school and she's like, what happened? My daughter doesn't fight. What's going on? And no one could tell her why I had attacked this child. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, well, did you ask? Did you ask her what triggered that in her? No, we don't allow violence. She said, but you know, this is a good kid. Yeah. There's no benefit of the doubt is a lot of this too, right? Like, right. There's no benefit. So she said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, and black mom, but she kept her cool. And I'm watching this in the fifth grade. I can, I can remember this so vividly. I watched this in the fifth grade. So immediately I knew that because of who I was, 
that there was a difference because little girl's in the, she's in the nurse's office doing whatever she's got to do. And I'm in the principal's office about to get expelled from school. It's going, it's about to happen. And she said, wait, no, no, no. You have to consider her character and you have to ask questions. I don't condone violence, but there had to be something that happened that triggered this reaction from my daughter. Where is my daughter? Mm. So I told her, I said, mama, she called me an N word and a monkey. And she looked at the principal and the principal looked at her and I mean, he's about to give her an excuse for this behavior. Mm. And she says, wait, if my daughter says that this little girl called her this word, then what's happening to the little girl? Well, we don't, we can't tell you. She said, I need to talk to her teachers. So she forced them to take her to each one of my teachers and the principal and my mom and I are going from class to class. At this point, I had three teachers, one black lady, an extracurricular lady. She was like an Indian lady, so sweet. And then a white guy. And we go to each one of these classes and the teachers are like, Shakira did what? <laughs> like what? She's the sweetest, sweetest kid in my class. She helps everybody. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in the class, the last class we get to was the white guy. And he goes, no, no. If something like that happened to her, she was triggered. The Mm. only problem I have out of Shakira is that she sneezes all day long because her allergies act up. You can't put this kid out. Hmm. And come to find out later, you know, little girl was being abused at home. But my point to this story is that these these behaviors are trained. And as a black woman, as early as a fifth grader, I had to learn how to figure out who's good, who's bad. You know, your guard goes up because some white people are bad. Some are not. Mm-hmm. So you go through life with this filter. Who's good? Who's bad? Hmm. Strictly based off of the color of someone's skin. So you're guarded until your filter goes off and says, oh, that's a good white person. I can be OK with them. Mm-hmm. I can trust them. I can trust them. To Could not you hurt imagine? me. <laughs> I, I Could you it's, imagine? And that's the white privilege that I think a lot of a lot of us white people, when we've heard that term before now, before this week, what I would have interpreted white privileges as one people that have a lot of money for one, mm-hmm. and also just have extra things like girls that go to boarding schools and girl like that's not me. Like I don't have white privilege. I I grew up poor. But what now I understand that white privilege is that I've never, ever had to think like that. I've never had to watch my actions. I've never had to question whether or not someone's going to think I'm inferior on that, just on that, right? Like there's just Just so many levels of that white privilege. So that, that story alone, I never had to worry about that, (laughs) about, you know, being accused of something I didn't do or being a good kid and then, you know, provoked horribly and then that person not held accountable. And then now, now I'm scared and I'm in fifth grade, like in fifth grade. And, and I'm so a good live, student. <laughs> I'm a good student, but I live life like this yeah. with this filter for the rest of my life. Mm. Because now I even teach my children that not necessarily, Oh, you have to, you know, look at a white person and figure out if they're good or bad, but you know, hold on for a second before <laughs> you trust that person, because we need to run them through this lens. We need to run them through this filter real quick to make sure they mean us well. 
Yeah. That's a terrible feeling to feel all of your life. Yeah, it sounds exhausting, to be honest. And I can understand why, you know, I think a lot of us who see the posts on just Instagram, which does just look like posts, right? We don't know what's behind it because we don't have that experience on that level. And, you know, this is a perfect example of why a post that just says tired, like this is the weight that's there always in the background, right? This is the burden of the thought process all the time, the fear, the worry, the checking, the, there's just this chronic low grade anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. That's there. And Mm -hmm. that is the tired part on top of the fact of all the other deaths that have keep, that have had that just weren't paid enough attention to. Exactly. Um, but I didn't get that before because it was never, I mean, to be honest, I've, you know, I've had lots, lots of friends, many of them black. I, I never even thought twice about me being superior to them or inferior. Like it was just, we were all equal in my mind, but I now know that that equality isn't equal, that Mm -hmm. in the sense that they're the same value of a person, but their experience has been so much heavier than mine. And because they never said anything to me, right? We were friends and they never shared it. And I think just, I mean, I'm 50. So when I was Growing up, like just my black friends never shared any of this experience with me. And I knew they obviously had struggle, but it wasn't visceral like this. They never Mm -hmm. shared this overarching weight all the time. Right. And so I just was unaware. Right. I was just unaware. I heard someone, and I can't even remember who said it, but I heard someone say, you know, there's a lot of things that black people will accept. We will accept unequality, even though, you know, we're born into a country that says we're equal. We'll accept you not giving us the same loan based off of our credit score and our counterparts might have a lower credit score and they get it just based off of where they live. There's a lot of things that we will accept. And we will internally figure out how to do them on our own. So as a mom, you know, there are some things I grew up. My grandmother was notorious for this. What happens in this house stays in this house and we will take care of it here. We're not going to prosecute each other publicly, but we will hold each other accountable Mm -hmm. um, privately. So a lot of times what you guys are experiencing is that we just deal with it. Mm -hmm. We just handle it because that is what we've done for the past however many years that we've so-called been free. We just deal with it and we make it happen. But what we don't tolerate is the killing. You can do a lot of things to me. Just don't kill me. Mm -hmm. Just don't take my life from me. Don't prosecute me before I even don't call me guilty. And then I have to prove my innocence. What happened to George Floyd? That was prosecution on the street. Yeah on the street. Just let me give me the same due process that you would give someone else. And at five years old, I I knew I didn't know at five what due process was, but I knew that my innocence had to be proven while hers was assumed. Mm. Powerful right there. Yep. And then that just escalates and gets the the stakes get higher, right? As you get older, the stakes get get higher and higher and higher. And so the cost is greater every time, but it's that same that's one part of the of it is that same key thing right there, right? Mm-hmm. Your innocence, my innocence is assumed. That's the white privilege, 
Yep. And yours is assumed that you are that you are guilty or or it's or the provoked isn't justified or the right. It's just that at that key level, that's such a core problem that has to be eliminated. And I think conversations between, you know, you and I as women, black and white, but who are true allies and friends, but now we're seeing the difference in perception and understanding. And now we are actually talking about it, not just I'm supporting you if something happens right here in front of me to you, right? Right. It's us actually understanding how these, all these little actions on the part of, of white people who think they're doing the right thing and they are in real, in real life, but they're not, it's not elevating the conversation. And that's what I see the differences is that for the first time, I'm really, you know, I'm asking and I'm checking and I'm open and I'm, and you're sharing and you're being vulnerable and which is incredibly brave and hard to do. Like I wouldn't want to share my most vulnerable stuff. Right. I'm incredibly private. So it's, it's, it's both of us doing that together is actually, I think, moving this needle. And, well, I think there's a know. responsibility on both sides, right? I think for so long, us as Black people as a culture have said, we need help. We need help. We need help. You know, and we're trying to fight. We're doing all that we can. And it is difficult. Like you'll hear us say a lot of times, it's not my job to educate you. Go find that information out on your own. Yep. And I get it. And that I think that comes from a place of hurt because we're so tired. Yeah. But on the same token, I'm a person that's like, how I don't want to be held accountable for something that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And how can you understand if you've never walked a mile a day, a minute in my shoes? Yeah. So I have to help you understand the people that are in my immediate circle. Now I can't go and change the world, you know, but if I can help the people that are close to me understand what it is to me, then I can say, now friend, I'm holding you accountable. Now friend, you understand. And if you understand, what are you going to do about it to help me, to support me? If we're allies, you no longer can say you don't get it. Yep. Yep. Now that you know, you have to do something about it. When you know better, you have to do better. They'll say ignorance is no exception to the law, but I feel like if we're good enough to be together, when things are not bad, then we're good enough to have these conversations and make each other uncomfortable because that's relationship and relationship is what hap- it's what moves. You will be uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable sharing, but it's in the discomfort where change happens. If you're hot, you take off your clothes, you turn on the air condition. If you're cold, you wrap up, you change, you do something about it because the comfort level isn't there. So it ignites you to move. It's the same thing in this scenario. You are uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. I'm not apologetic for your uncomfortableness, but now because you're uncomfortable, it will signal, it will send a signal to your heart because this is a heart thing. Laws don't change hearts. Mm-hmm. The laws are in place. Some of them are in place. They're just not enforced because the heart for the person that's supposed to enforce them isn't changed. But our job is to change your heart. And when your heart is changed, 
then you'll do something different about it because it is uncomfortable and it Mm -hmm. doesn't feel good. And human nature is to want to feel good and to live good. That's all we want. We want to feel good and live good when we walk outside of our doors. When we live in our homes, we want to not have to worry about these things that make us scared and make us uncomfortable. Hmm. Wow. Well, I can just salute your bravery and honesty, and we just need more of this. I have learned so much in the last week and a half from my existing friends who I love dearly and support fully, but they have been you know, shared a lot of things with me that were hard for me to hear because not even just my own behavior, but just hard for me to hear how much weight and hurt they have been carrying that I was unaware of. And, you know, my heart goes out to them because I care Mm -hmm. about them. And the other thing that I've really learned that, I mean, I'm 50 and (laughs) I, you know, I grew up in, you know, Northern California, you know, predominantly white area, but there's plenty of racial stuff going on here. Mm -hmm. But, um, I I have seen a real shift. I really have in in my so-called culture of the range of people that I know online, offline, with my husband and I, with his friends. I've seen a real shift in people I never thought would ever shift. And I think a couple of the takeaways that I've personally had that I'd like to share with the audience is just I think as as white people, like we were never taught to be activists. This is like one real core thing that I've sort of realized was that in the black culture, um, they are so interdependent on so many levels emotionally, right? Like they have learned mm-hmm. to lean on each other and build bridges together and and kind of unite, right? Sort of laterally, like in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And I can really see that this sort of white independence that obviously, you know what my show's about, right? I'm Mm -hmm. all about being independent as a woman. But I can also see that that's a downside in our in culture in white culture, because we are literally competing with ourselves all the time. That that is in our culture is to be the best and to and to just win at all costs, right? And and it's obviously a very predominantly white patriarch, right? Mostly male led. And, right. and, but women were a part of that too, right? The women that are now making money and moving up mm-hmm. and having companies, we have fought tooth and nail to get to that point. And now I can really see how it's so hard for us to actually reach out because it's not even in our nature. Like we have to learn one of the learn, one of the, realizations for me is that I'm going to have to literally grow as a white woman creating networks between other white women to push this issue forward. And that is so uncomfortable to me because I've never done that my whole life. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a big realization. Um, The other one is that you guys are just braver. Like I'm just, (laughs) I'm literally, my husband and I were talking about last night, we were watching, you know, a whole bunch of videos again. And, and just, I was just struck by there is an inherent bravery, emotional bravery that I think black people have that white people do not. I'm just going to be, we just, we bury our feelings. We stuff stuff down. We're uncomfortable talking in our families. We don't air stuff out, right? That is mm-hmm. cultural in the white community. And we're going to have to stop that to, to help with part of this is we're going to just have to be braver emotionally, more comfortable talking about uncomfortable things and, You guys have really shown me that. So I, you know, I just thank you for that. I've really seen that in my friends. And I would personally like to be more emotionally brave and comfortable with being uncomfortable. 
I think one of the things as a mom, just a mom in general, Mm -hmm. right? Your house is supposed to be the place where you can be the most free and the Mm -hmm. most comfortable. The relationship you have with your husband, it's sacred. Mm -hmm. It's a safe place. Um, And you share in conversations just within the walls of the home that you live in. And that's where it starts. It's where it starts with us. It's where we sit down as a family and we allow each other to be open, vulnerable, honest. And that's where we teach. So if you can't start anywhere else, start in your house. Because that's where you'll have the most impact. It's the safest place for you to go, should be. And it's the place where if you teach your children these values and have these difficult conversations as children, because we don't give our kids enough credit. It's hard for us to speak about uncomfortable things with our children, but children are very resilient. They're like sponges and they absorb. And one of the things that I notice about my kids is when we have these conversations, they take pride in making sure that what mommy said, what daddy said, I'm going to live this out in my life to the fullest. Now, you know, you get teenagers, they Mm -hmm. got, you know, (laughs) but it always comes back. Like my mom tells me all the time, the things that I was saying to you where I didn't think you were listening, my God, as an adult, I watch you. And sometimes my heart just jumps out of my chest because I'm like, oh, (laughs) she gets it now. Mm -hmm. The lesson was there. (laughs) It was there. So you just have to keep planting the seeds. We're Christians. And I don't, you know, this is not about Christian, Mm -hmm. but our religion tells us that God just said, if you spend time with me, I'll work on your heart. So if God can spend time with me and work on my heart, and as a Christian, my job is to be a mirror of Christ, then I'm supposed to do the same thing mm-hmm. with my kids and my family. That's my job, just to plant the seeds, plant, keep planting them, keep talking about them, keep sharing insight, keep nurturing these ideas so that when they're older, they will come back to them. Scripture didn't tell me that right now is going to work. It said when they're older, they won't depart. And that's what we hold on to. Hmm. That's That's what we hold on to. So we start at home. So start at home because that's what you have the most control over is your home. As a mother, as a wife, we set the tone for our house. Our husbands, they go out. They provide, they, you know, they discipline, they provide the structure, but we set the atmosphere. So if together, if you and your husband can get on the same page, even if he's not, because they're stubborn, it don't matter what color their skin <laughs> is, they just, you know. Yeah, they are. <laughs> but and we love them, but they're stubborn. Them, but they're stubborn. But we just have that natural thing in us as women to continue to nurture to continue to set that atmosphere. And you'd be surprised how much influence that part has over your children. And if you instill that into your children, when they get older and have children, they instill it into their children. So it's that thing that just keeps on growing. So at some point, maybe we'll be here to see it, maybe we won't, but at some point there'll be enough of us that have taught strong moral 
faithful values to our children and they will have grown families and their their kids and their, you know, their friends because they have influence over their friends. So now they're going out and influencing their friends and you, you know, you get your confidence together because you see change in your house and you want to tell your girlfriend, oh my God, listen, this is what we were talking about. And these are the things that are happening. You know, we talk about the stuff that's good. Mm -hmm. And now our friends are inspired to go home and do the same. Mm -hmm. It's those small, small things that when we feel like we don't have the power to change, we do. We do. And that's what we're asking. Just you don't have to apologize. If you're not racist, you ain't done nothing to me. I'm not talking to you. (laughs) I'm not talking to you because you haven't personally offended me. I love you. But now that you're aware, you know, use your voice in that way. If you don't think you can come and stand on the front line and, and lobby and petition, that's not everybody. I'm an introvert. I get it. I, I, as a black person, am not equipped to go and march and riot and do those things. So I have to use my voice in other ways. I have to get creative about how I make a change, the neighborhood that I live in understanding what's around me so that I can make those impacts there. And that's all we're asking. We're just asking for the same. There's some of you all that won't give two shits Mm -hmm. about going out there and being ridiculed. You go, I see you all. We see you. But there are some that you're just not built like that. And we get it. But you can talk to your family. Yeah, that's that's just perfectly said. And I think I, like you, believe that those those influences that felt small to me, I now see the impact of those. And I'm definitely taking that seriously in ways that I never have. And I think that's basically all we're asking is just influence the things you can influence, right? In your own small way, those things really start to add up. And I think we're at a tipping point. I think enough people now are really understanding that and that's where I'm sort of putting my intention with my businesses moving forward and my neighbors and my friends and my family. Like that's where my intention is going and I'm going to influence the hell out of it mm-hmm. <laughs> in the ways that I can, that I'm going to do my part. And um, I just thank you so much, my friend, for coming on and being brave and honest and vulnerable, especially as an introvert to an introvert. I know <laughs> what that, I have a feeling of what that means. And oh, just yeah. thank you so much for, for your bravery. And um, we will continue to kind of, you know, have these conversations and support you in every way we can. And I will link to your beautifully, horribly painful post that you did that was so well written. And just thank you. And I just really hope you take care, you and your family. Thank you. Thank you. for listening to Remodel Your Life. I sure have enjoyed being with you today. And if you really like our show, we'd love it if you would subscribe through iTunes. You can always send us feedback through email at Camille at RemodelYourLifePodcast.com. And I'll see you next week.
Thank you for listening to the Remodel Your Life podcast. This episode has ended, but your remodeling journey can continue. Head over to remodelyourlifepodcast.com to access all the resources, tools, and links mentioned in this episode. Until next time, get your hands dirty and create the life you want from the foundation up. And thanks again to Blue Apron. I just love cooking with them and so appreciate their support of my show. Mm-hmm.